Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Hello. Hi there. How's everyone? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Is Kelly here? She's is. Okay. So, uh, happy Tuesday, or whenever you're listening to this, and uh, we are going to try to tackle some of those questions we've gotten from listeners. So, I'm going to read the first one, Um, and I think it's a second part of another question, but this is just one that we chose for this week. It says, what happens to a soul when it is consumed by fire, um, consumed as food, or by the decay associated with time? Does it simply dissipate or become unfettered? Okay, go. I have a question about the question. Is how can a soul be consumed as food? Yeah. Well, what if... I don't know, you know, but what I think they're asking ultimately is what happens when the, the physical component is destroyed? I mean, that I don't really understand that question either, but I, but I understand, you know, they're asking what, what happens when the physical vessel is gone. And the truth is it isn't ever really gone. I mean, there's there's a gajillion layers to this question, if I'm reading it correctly, which is, you know, it's got all these layers. But, you know, the, the physical component is never gone. The physical and the spiritual components are never really separate either. And the spiritual component is never gone either. So I'm not really sure what's meant by dissipated or unfettered. Does it have the same relationship to the physical that it had before? No. Right. I think the physical, yeah, there's, there's so many layers to this, but yeah, I get the same sense that this is like, well, what happens, you know, if the soul of something, what happens to the soul of a thing, if that thing greatly changes in form, mm-hmm. um, and I guess the answer to that is complicated. I don't know that there's a specific answer. Um, and I don't know that we're the definitive source of the answer to that question either. But um, I think to what Kelly said, like dissipation of a soul, I don't really, that's not really my understanding of soul. Um, and I guess I would ask too, like, what is unfettered? Does that just mean it's float? Like, is that is that asking if the uh, the soul is just floating around somewhere? What do you two think? Mm, that's what it sounds like to me. Um, and you know, well, who knows? Ultimately, who knows? But I can tell you, after like almost twenty five years of experience in death work and lifelong observation of death walking that there is an order there there is some sort of framework to what happens 
when the soul is no longer situated in the physical form the way it was in in what we would consider life so unfettered from the standpoint of just aimlessly you know wafting about and dissipated that's not the experience that i've observed but unfettered from the standpoint that it is no longer anchored in the physical the way that we have understood it to be absolutely but i'm not sure that we ever really understand how unfettered it is when we are walking around in the physical to begin with yeah yeah agreed so i i think there's i think some of our answer is also to to be clear you know when you're thinking about these things uh, you know that um for me there's even like so the soul of the physical thing and then uh there's like a layer here i don't know how to articulate because it's uh it's hard to articulate the multiple layers of agency within a physical thing um because the decay of a thing also has agency a thing being consumed by fire or having been consumed by fire also still has agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so there's something in there that I don't know how to articulate well around the infinite nature of agency. Does that make sense? Like how many souls are contained by the thing you're assuming has one soul that could be consumed by fire. Right. I mean, I don't think we can have any linear relationship to this. And and that's kind of the whole point. I mean, it, it isn't so much to figure out what the box is or what's in the box or, it, or whether there's a box, but to be able to hold the questions and be okay with that and still somehow shape your own experience meaningfully around that. Right. And we're in constant relationship with all those different forms. Um, And to me, questions like this, I feel like they often translate into like the question of what happens to our soul. Mm -hmm. Um, That it's a general question, but there's, I feel like that question often comes from like a root that has to do with what happens to me when I die. And that may be a whole other time. How, How we explore I know we've talked some about death work in previous episodes and I do feel like there are nuances to what happens at the point of death and in some cases before actual physical death that we all have that agency around Um, Mm -hmm. and there are some components that need to be left to people who have studied this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else on this one, Janet? Um, I agree with what you said, Brandy, about how it seems like the root of the question is what happens to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And simplistically put, it seems as if the physical body continues as, you know, in a different form, whatever you want to call it, and that the soul continues to. Um, so the only 
death per se is, is what we are experiencing now with the combination of the unit of the soul and the physical that we have now. Yeah. Agreed. But it sure got me thinking down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I know. I seem to remember having a conversation about how these were like the three questions we could likely get through quickly and pack into one episode and then my brain broke on the first one. I know. <laughs> it's fine. It's all fine. Uh this is fine. Uh okay, so let's uh let's look at the second one which I think is geared toward Janet. Um I think there's also some more conversation to have like outside of the specific question but the question itself um and this was sent without a signature or anything through the anonymous if if um for the listeners if you do send a question through the tumblr site um try to make a note of your name um if you want us to mention it in the episode because we had several several of these questions um didn't really have any sort of attribution that i can give you a shout out or anything so Um, So this was sent anonymously, but it says, um, my question is about my cat's litter box. Um, As far as waste goes, is there a more animistic and earth-friendly approach to the litter box and the disposal of litter? I've been trying out a corn husk litter, but I'm curious about Janet's approach to this. I think that if, when it comes to litter, that when you're going as um, ecologically friendly as you can, that that's the best route to go. Um, I know that I've used sand litter in the past. There was a small company, I was trying to think of its name, um, up in northern Minnesota that used to um, have sand litter. And my cats loved it. And Mm -hmm. then I've also used a newspaper litter. And, you know, the cats, eh, they didn't like it as much. And then there's also a wheat litter, which the cats have liked okay. But it's a combination of what your cats will use and feel comfortable with. And, you know, what is ecologically friendly, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the heart of the question, you know, that a lot of people raise around practical product-based things in life and, and how to deal with them is that ecology is animism. It, it, right. you know, it isn't this separate thing where we're like, oh, I've got this stuff. I've got to figure out what to do with it or how to do it better and you know, how do I fit that into my spiritual part? And they're not separate. It, you know, so when you're asking yourself questions around how do I function my household and my household with the world, you know, how do I make that better? How do I make that more sacred? It already is. And the, the fact that people are asking these kinds of questions is fabulous. It, it's just remembering that you know, even figuring out what you're going to do with your cat litter is yep. a sacred ritual where earth and all things are concerned. Yeah. And I don't think, I think too, you know, my answer to this question is more of an answer to all the questions that would be like this. Uh, of sort, Cause what I hear in this question too, is like that overall, like, how can I do the mundane things? How can I consume or manage day-to-day life in an animistic way and I think to what you said Kelly too about um, you know if you're thinking about it at all you are already engaging more animistic more consciously animistically but also um, the answer to these questions is going to be personal because all of those relationships are personal 
and you're it and I think Janet said too there's not really like a a right answer across the board because ultimately for me when I engage in each of those decisions like small or big decisions from a place of being an animist I mean, it has to do with my relationship with that thing and with my household and with my environment and with the land I'm on. And I'm the only person that can evaluate that overall scope of each of those layers, you know, including my capability, you know, like there may be a perfectly like least environmental impact option possible in terms of cat litter or in terms of, you know, a food product or you know, a clothing company or something, there may be a best possible, like least impact on the planet type of option. And we may not be able to afford it, or we may, we may not have access to it. Um, or, you know, like, Janet, you were talking about the litter, it's like, maybe the cats hate it, and they won't use it. And then you end up spending a lot of money on toxic cleaning products because your cats are peeing everywhere else. And so it isn't really that ecological, uh, ecologically friendly. There's such, it's such a nuanced decision that involves an evaluation of our right relationship with everything around us, including ourselves and our capability. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think it's important that we really do include ourselves in that. Because I was thinking, um, like, that sand litter that I used, okay, that was, like, really great. And that stuff was heavy to haul. And I could not do that any more now than I could stand on my head and spit nickels. So what I have to do is find... Did she just say what I heard her say? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stand on my head and spit nickels? You haven't heard that before? I've heard that before. (laughs) Is that a Midwest thing, maybe? I think it's a Midwest thing, yeah. (laughs) but you know i can't blame myself because i don't have a physical strength to tote that heavy litter around i have to get litter which i which is practical which the cats like and which is um something that i can tote and you know take care of it yeah absolutely yeah yeah I, i mean you you also like there's also the your relationship with the other people that you live with and you know, what's permitted and what, uh, what you both agree on, what, you know, what regulations might be around where you live, you know, if you rent or, I mean, there's just a ton of things that go into the answer to that question. And the bottom line is for, in my experience, and for me, the bottom line is, do I feel like I'm in right relationship with all of this for right now? And knowing that that relationship can change because every single part of that equation changes from moment to moment and would it even be fair to say am i in right relationship as much as i can be at this moment in time Mm -hmm. exactly yeah that's i mean that's just it is and i think the relationship that we can be in is the right one for the moment yeah yes well said i agree and including the capacity for that to expand or contract based on what the future holds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So third question we wanted to tackle in this episode was, um, is animism pagan? 
It's just a small question. Yeah, just yeah. any bitty question. <laughs> I don't think you can really answer that clearly without running into a lot of segues of what paganism is. And, and at least, you know, back in my day, you know, when I was very young, sure what my spiritual path was but very clear that it was not organized religion of any kind um paganism was very simple to define (laughs) and it's not anymore it's very political it's very nuanced and who you ask you know on any given day you'll get a different answer the short answer is animism is pagan in the sense that it it stems from pre-Christian, pre-anything roots. Animism is the first religious experience of humanity. This is not something I'm making up or like my heart song. This is anthropology and history. Um, But as far as, you know, the short answer is yes. The complicated answer is a lot of pagans are not fans of animism because it at least from their you know socio-political perspective it is against or at least in opposition to how hard modern paganism has fought for distinction as polytheists from organized religious structures and i understand that i validate it completely but it, it is a place in the current trajectory of modern paganism where it needs to learn to make room for other kinds of paganism. Yeah. I'm good with that. <laughs> I think for me, like, there, it's um, the question of, like, is animism pagan? Um, like, animism is older than paganism right like so the question is it's just sort of does this thing that is much more long-standing than paganism fit into the pagan box and for me i think the better question is you know is paganism animistic and the answer is still complex because i mean i think even based on what you said kelly like the the answer is it can be right I, and it isn't for some you know there are plenty of pagans who don't think that their toaster has a soul or has agency mm-hmm. and, you know most of the time when this question comes up for me in in sessions working with people what they're really asking is do i have to identify outwardly as pagan and that's a whole other ballgame but that's usually what they really want to know is do I have to be pagan? Do I have to deal with the personal um, un, you know, biases and rearrangement of how I view myself and how I present myself to the world? It's an identity question, not a philosophical one. Right. Right. And, and it is, that's a, it's a really valid question from that mm-hmm. angle too, because um, it, but, so there are complications that come with identifying as pagan, but it's also simpler to say you're pagan than to say you're an animist in, in like mixed company people you don't know, especially, I mean, here in the Midwest, for sure. I've never said I'm an animist and not had to explain animism. 
whereas I can say I'm pagan or I observe pagan sabbats or you know how, however I say it and there's some even if it's somewhat inaccurate there's at least a concept oh you're not religious mm-hmm. or you're or you're not um like you're not Christian and you're probably really into nature there's like at least that basic sort of okay you're I have some sense of you when you say you're an animist I I just get blank stares right so it's I don't and it's interesting because I I don't know that I strongly identify with paganism but then it's hard to even say whether I identify with paganism given that paganism has like a million branches there's like a million branches on that paganism tree and they are all growing different leaves um it's like there's there's it, it is a tree and all the branches have leaves but like not all of a match and just not really sure which one I would be sitting on um so it, it it's almost like it feels like it's gotten so broad and so complex and so there are so many camps that it's almost simpler for me to say that I'm an animist, even though I then have to explain what that means. I say animist. I mean, that nobody knows what it means. Even a lot of pagans have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's fine. That's a conversation I'm, I'm willing and capable of having. And I just say, I'm an animist. And they go, oh, what? Yeah, I've gotten more and more comfortable with that. I, there are, there are times when I am speaking to someone in passing and I don't have the time or energy Mm -hmm. or it's just, it's not worth it that I'll, I'll just say, "Mm, I'm kind of pagan. Like, (laughs) or I say, or I say, who knows? I hate, I used, you know, I feel like I used to say I'm more spiritual um, than religious. And like that has become like code for, a whole identity that I definitely don't want to be. Yeah. I feel I feel like that statement becomes this whole like I don't know. Bypassy love and light. Um I don't know. At, at least around here, it then becomes like sort of like opens this window to, oh, do you, you know, do you have crystals and do you sell oils? And and it it just gets into this whole do you uh, <laughs> unicorns don't forget the unicorns and the rainbows yeah yeah have you had a shamanic facial or you know just you know all the things that just then then it makes me want to have a conversation that the person who asked is not prepared to have with me so I don't say that anymore um what about you Janet I think it gets complex when we start talking about the different definitions, kind of like what you were talking about, the different leaves on the tree. And, you know, what does that one person mean by pagan? Uh, what does another person mean? And how do I interpret it? And sometimes they don't match at all. And it's just like we're having this conversation that's kind of crazy, actually. So I find it easier to say animist. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it just channels the conversation into one that I'm more willing to have 
Yeah. I, it's not that I refuse to say that I'm pagan. I don't have any qualms around that, but I find that it's more charged for people to hear that word because they think they know what it means and they don't have any idea what animist means. So I get a chance to express that to them without any strings up front. I'm probably the first person they have ever heard say that word. And so when I say animist, it's like a clear slate. I, it's a blank ass slate, yep. but I get to at least define it on my own terms without the judgment that they would bring into me saying I'm pagan. And then I find myself thinking, well, pagan, what does that mean? How does that fit for me? Does it mean this? Does it mean that? And then with, when I say I'm an animist, to me, that's just, boom, it's there. It's honest. It's the truth. And I don't have any monkey mind to deal with for myself. Right. The trouble is that, like, you know, as, you know, if people are listening to this podcast and getting more comfortable identifying themselves as animists, like, you know, we're headed, every, everything that we build a label for eventually comes with people having stigma and assumptions and misconceptions about that label. So we're probably on limited time in terms of truly being able to use that word with the blank slate that we currently have. Yeah. 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 Maybe not us, but I think, I think as, I think as organized religion, maybe um, shifts or dissipates or, you know, whatever is happening long-term, like there's, you know, we, we're, we are creatures that require things to have names. And so we're going to think up names for things. And we always complicate what those names mean, what those names mean. And then we create the box to go with the names. Mm -hmm. And we decorate it in our own way, which is different for everybody. And then we're down mm-hmm. that rabbit hole again. Yep. We love rabbit holes. I love rabbit holes. I, my <laughs> eyes have just lit up when you said that, Kelly. <laughs> I don't know that I love every rabbit hole, but I enjoy a good rabbit hole about animism. Yeah. I like them with y'all. You what? I like them with y'all. Yes. yes. Back at you. Yeah. Whatever you say in your region. Yeah, it's like we should make a podcast about it or something. Rabbit holes? (laughs) (laughs) Or y'all? People call in with questions. (laughs) About animism. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Okay. We left Janet behind on that rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was still exploring. There's still so much down there, you know? It's like glorious. You see all those pretty colors. <laughs> uh, but yes, I think uh, to, an- to answer, I, I think, I feel like we just took all three of these questions and, and the answer was it's complicated. Because, um, you know, that's life. Because it is. Do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happens to the soul of a thing when that physical thing is destroyed? It's complicated. What ha- uh, what kitty litter should you use? It's actually complicated. And is animism pagan? Sometimes. It but is, except know, when it's not. That's the whole point, though. And, and, you know, animism is not binary. There There is no yes, no. It, it is all about the gray area and not gray area that is undefinable, although, you know, some is, but it's the gray area that is yours 
and yours alone and how it works for you and the flux that you can hold and letting it change. Absolutes are just, you know, not a thing except for where they are a thing. I love it. We're the worst question answers and the best question answers there ever were. I think that should be the tagline for the whole podcast. I like that. (laughs) Ask me a question or don't. I might answer it. And yet I also will answer it. And then I'll unanswer it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or I might answer it in a parallel universe. Mm -hmm. Which has its own agency. Right. Which makes me think of the golden compass. I think I need to watch that again. Yes. It also makes me think of OA. Yes. OA. Yes. I watched the last episode last night. No spoilers. I, but, you know, for everybody else. But I finally finished it. Mm. It's good stuff. Um, okay. So if you have more, we have some more questions and we'll do another Q&A episode soon-ish. We'll see. We just, we never know what episode we're going to do until five minutes before-ish. That's not true. I love the way you're using ish because to me that is so definite. I understand that. It's podcast-ish, you know? Yeah, you're podcasty Is it pagan? Is it pagan-ish? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, kind of. It's (laughs) anim-ish. But we will do, we will get to questions. Um, in another Q&A episode. So absolutely keep, keep the questions coming. And um, we will see you in a couple weeks for the next one. Take care. So ha- have a great couple weeks. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.